Take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. That anger is really something, isn't it? I heard about uh, two little boys. They were spending the night, and the guy that was coming to spend the night at his buddy's house, the guy was showing him his house and everything, and they walked into the master bedroom where his parents were, and they went into the bathroom. And the little boy that was visiting said, what's that over there on the floor? He said, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but uh, I think they call it the scales. All I know is every time mom and dad touch it, they get really mad. I don't know what it is that trips your anger wire. I don't know what it is that causes you to get angry. But I want to tell you something. As a Christian, I really want you to listen to me. The next 40 minutes or so could really help you. Could help your marriage. Could help your children. And could help you as a Christian. I believe all Christians at some level deal with anger. And... I just want to talk to you about that, taming your temper. Let's look one more time at those two verses. This you know, James 1, 19 and 20. This you know, my beloved brethren. He's talking to Christians. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. There's the outline right there. The easy outline. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So what's God saying to us today at Bellevue Baptist Church? What's he saying to you? What's he saying to me? In order to tame our temper, number one, we have to learn to listen carefully. And I want to say this to you. Listening is different than just hearing somebody. Listening is paying attention. How many of you know that we are living in a distracted society? Does anybody know that? There are so many voices speaking. It is hard to concentrate on one. But when the Lord is speaking to you, And when somebody that you're talking with is speaking to you, you owe them your attention. Even if somebody comes up and they're trying to interrupt. I saw that happen one day. This lady was talking. And somebody came up and interrupted her. And she just held her hand out to that person that was interrupting. In other words, no offense, but I'm laser focused on what I'm doing right now. And you don't need to be interrupting me. Now, you say, that's rude. Yeah, it was of the person interrupting her. Because when you are listening to somebody, you need to be all in. Let's talk about it. You need to listen carefully. This you know, my beloved brethren. Let everyone be quick to hear. Now, this you know, my beloved brethren, that little phrase there, the New American Standard, really, it, it, the way it, it is, set, is, is put down, it puts it back, connects it back with the previous verses about victory over temptation that we talked about last week. I believe that's a, I believe that's the wrong way to translate this. I think you, and it, you can easily translate it, let it look forward to what we're talking about today. And I think that's what's going on. And there are a couple of versions that pick that up. And you'll say, you say, I don't, I'm not following you. Look at James chapter 119 in the ESV. Look at it on the screen. Now this, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That is, that's what you're to know. 
and the NIV nails it. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become anger. James was telling his listeners to pay attention, to be quick to hear. And again, he's talking to Christians, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear. From the man in the pulpit to the person in the pew, quick to hear. Quick to hear. Not quick to speak, quick to hear. That word quick is the Greek word tachos. Tachos. It means to be swift, to be without delay, to come soon. In Matthew 28, when the angels told Mary and the others to go quickly to tell the disciples that Jesus had risen from the dead, that's the word that was used. And by the way, it's a word that is used repeatedly in the book of Revelation. You know, when the Bible talks about Jesus actually said almost at the very end of the Bible in Revelation, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22 verse 12, it says, behold, I am coming quickly. And what that means is that when he comes, it's going to be like that. It's going to be like that. Jesus said in, about his second coming in Matthew 24, 27, for just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. So what, what James is saying, when he picked that word, it, it wasn't random. It was by the Holy Spirit providentially leading him to do so. He picked a word that meant, when I tell you to be quick to listen, to hear quickly, I'm telling you to be as quick as lightning, just like Jesus talked about, to be as, as quick as lightning, to listen to somebody. You say, Brother Steve, we're talking about anger. I know what we're talking about. Don't make me angry. I know what we're talking about. But it starts with listening to people. And not just listening, but really hearing them out. Really trying to understand. The, the word quick is tachos. But the word here is akuo. It's where you get the word acoustics. And it means not just to hear some words, but to listen intently. I mean, to really laser-focused concentration, all ears and minds on deck, really listening. Donna and I had been married about a month. She knows what's coming. So I'll just look over at y'all over here. And uh, we'd been married just four weeks, four weeks. And so I was preaching to a youth camp down in Panama City. And we're driving through Alabama. And it's just the two of us. And she's talking. And, I, and she would say, don't you? I said, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about from Birmingham to Troy, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can I get a witness out there? Anybody out there? Yeah. Just north of Troy, she smelled a rat. She said, are you listening to me? I said, oh, yeah. She said, what have I been saying? I want to say this to you. I'm not the sharpest arrow in the quiver. And I'll prove it by telling you what I said that day. This, I could not have said 
something more dumb than what I said. She said, what have I been talking about? I said, well, you know what you've been talking about. <laughs> eh, <laughs> wrong, wrong answer. <laughs> it was quiet from Troy to Panama City. I just want you to know that, all right? I wasn't listening. I was acting like I was listening. How many of you know there's a difference? Anybody know there's a difference? The first step to dealing with your anger is to listen and really hear people out. We're told that President Lyndon Johnson, he allegedly had a plaque on his desk. Now, I can understand this uh, because I, I grew up listening to people talk like this. My house, uh, but the, the plaque on his desk said, he's the guy that followed John F. Kennedy, you ain't learning nothing when you're talking. Isn't that true? You're not learning anything when you're talking. Heard about another plaque on somebody's desk said, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. Aristotle supposedly had a guy come to him wanting to teach him philosophy. He interviewed the young guy, and after a while he said, well, I, I can teach you, but I'm going to have to charge you double. The guy said, why are you going to have to charge me double? He said, well, first I've got to tell you, teach you how to be quiet, and then I'll teach you how to talk. You need to learn to listen attentively, paying attention thoughtfully. I want to ask you, let's change this just from our relationships. Do you ever try to listen to God? When, when you have a prayer time, do you try to listen to God? Do you try to listen to God when you read the Bible? I had a, how old is the little boy that interviewed me last night? Is he eight or seven? Eight years old. Eight years old last night, interviewed me, said, what's the most important part of your day, Brother Steve? He had five questions. That was the first one. I said, that's easy. First thing I do when I wake up, I read my Bible and I try to listen to God. He said, oh, that's a good answer. I said, thank you very much. Appreciate that. <laughs> I believe God's talking to us, don't you? Out of the Bible. But I want to say this to you. I believe God talks to us through inner impressions by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within you. Why would He not talk to you? You say, how do I know it's the Lord? It's because anything He prompts you to do, it will be Christ-like. If you're out and you're eating a meal, and you see somebody, and your heart just goes out to them, and you feel like you're supposed to pay for their dinner, look at me, that was not you. You're too selfish for that, and so am I. And it sure wasn't the devil. So just go on and, and do what God tells you to do. If the Lord tells you to help somebody, and then you'll have all these reasons why you shouldn't. Well, I don't need to get involved. I might, you know, not a, look at me. Quit all that. If God prompts you to help somebody, do it. And do it in a way where you don't get any glory, but God gets all the glory. Do it as anonymously as possible. Uh, that's, that's God. And, and what about when you have a desire to witness to somebody or to invite somebody to church? You know, we've been telling you that people will come to a church on Easter when they won't come any other time. I had a, I had a seminary professor tell me, he said, Steve, look, he was one of my preaching professors. He said, Every time 
you preach a funeral or a wedding, share the gospel because lost people will come to a wedding and a funeral that would never darken the door of your church. And, and it, it's also true in, in other matters. So, so I, you know, when, when the Lord prompts you to do something, and just do it. People will come to church on Christmas and Easter when they won't come any other time. And we've got these little invite cards. There's nothing to it. I mean, you don't even have to know anything because all the pertinent information is on there. You take these little, they're outside of the walls over here. Just get one packet and in, over the next couple of weeks, just invite people to come. And I'm telling you, they'll come. Some will come and they might even get saved. Wouldn't that be awesome? But you've got, to, you've got to listen to the Lord. He'll tell you who to give that little card to. He'll do it. You say, well, how do I know that's God? If you feel any prompting toward it whatsoever, it's the Lord. It's just the Lord. But you also need to listen to other people. <laughs> husbands, we need to listen to our wives. Wives, you need to listen to your husbands. We don't need to lecture one another. We don't need to push each other's buttons. Don't, ask, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. We, can all, we all know how to make our spouse upset real quick. We can push that button and, whoo, here we go. Crazy cycle, here we go down. You don't need that. Speak encouraging words, words that edify, that build people up. Parents and children need to learn to listen to one another. I know, look, I've, I've been young. I know you can't even fathom that, but I, I, you young people, I've been your age. I, I'll guarantee you, look at me. My parents, I thought they didn't know anything. The older I have gotten, the wiser my parents got. How'd that happen? And you know, you, you need to listen to your parents. Parents, you need to listen to your children. Whites need to listen to blacks. Blacks need to listen to whites. There's a lot of division in America right now over race. And I want to say this to you. I'm not overly simplistic, but there is only one real answer, and that is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Because that's all, that's all that can, can take care of that. I mean, I mean, you start getting all these political differences and everything. I, I believe Republicans ought to listen to Democrats and Democrats ought to listen to Republicans and, and Latinos ought to listen to Asians and Asians ought to listen to whites and whites ought to listen to blacks. and every, every, We ought to just listen to people and just try to learn. There's something good about hearing somebody out. Even if you don't agree with them, Listening to somebody doesn't mean that you have to accept everything that they say, but it does mean that you hear them out. You need to do that with the Lord. You need to listen to the Lord. Proverbs 8, 34, the Lord said, Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. That's, that's kind of how I feel like when I go read my Bible, I'm just sitting with my Father, and I just want Him to talk to me. You get that attitude in your quiet time, it's not drudgery anymore. It's just God talking to you. God, I want to talk to you, but I want you to talk to me. It's amazing the conversation you can have with God. Isaiah 53, 
55 verse 3, God says, incline your ear and come to me. Do you know what it means to incline your ear? Everybody look this way. Here it is. Hey, can I make a statement? I do that more and more the older I get, all right? What would you say? That's inclining your ear. And that's what we do with God. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. And what did Jesus constantly say over and over and over and over again? One time he said it in Matthew eleven fifteen. 15. He who has ears to hear, say the rest of it with me, let him hear. I want to tame my temper, Brother Steve. I'm going to pray about that. Great, pray about it. But while you're praying, develop the discipline of listening carefully. And it takes time, but you can do it. Secondly, speak cautiously. Other side of the same coin. Listen carefully means that you speak cautiously. You can't listen and speak simultaneously. And he says, this you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak. I heard a story years ago, and I'll never forget it. It was about two Christians that were dear friends, and they got into it with each other over something. And as dear friends, they had confided with one another and told each other some secret things. And the one that got mad at this other girl decided, she said, I'm going to destroy her reputation. And so she started talking and slandering this girl and telling things that this girl had confided in her about and literally destroyed their relationship. Well, they were both Christians, and after a few years, the girl that did the gossiping came under conviction. And she went to the Lord, and she felt, led of the Lord, i got to make this right with my friend. So she went to her and said, I want to apologize and ask you to forgive me for all the slanderous things that I said about you. She said, oh, I forgave you a long time ago. You know, that's, that's really what you're supposed to do. You don't need to wait on somebody to apologize to forgive them. You go ahead and forgive them. You get out. Don't you go into the jail cell of unforgiveness. That's a, that's a prison you don't want to be in, a prison of bitterness. Don't go there. Just say, God, I forgive them. It's exactly what Jesus did. The first thing he said after they nailed him on the cross was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And nobody was asking for forgiveness. Nobody. But Jesus didn't want to sin, so he forgave. And then this girl, when she learned that this girl had forgiven her, she said, well, how can I write this wrong that I've done to you. And then this girl said, not in anger, but in truth. She said, you can't. She said, what do you mean I can't? That's why I'm here. She said, you can't. You have slandered me for so long to so many. You can't. The damage is done. 
said, well, I don't understand. And here's the part that I've never forgotten. She said, okay, let me try to make you understand. For, me, for you to undo what you've done to me, go take a ream of copy paper, 500 sheets, cut each sheet up into at least 100 little pieces of paper so you'll have just thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of paper that small or so. Just take those now. After you've cut up all 500 sheets and just tiny, tiny pieces of paper, take that, put it in a bag, go to New York City, go up to the top of the Empire State Building, go out there where they let you look out over New York City. And when nobody's looking, just take that bag of paper and dump it and let the winds, if you've ever been up there, I've been up there about seven or eight times, wind really blows on top of that building. And just let the wind take those pieces of paper all over New York City. And then what I want you to do is go downstairs, take that bag, and I want you to go all over New York City and pick up every single piece of paper. And the girl said, I can't do that. She said, right. And you can't. You can't undo the damage that you've done to me with your tongue. Do you realize that there are people that come to counseling and the reason they're counseled is because somebody has damaged them with their speech? Do you realize what damage can be done with your tongue? How many marriages have been split up? How many children have been hurt because somebody did not speak cautiously? You say, well, Brother Steve, you're telling us what not to do. Will you tell us what to do? Sure. Let me give you a, a few ways to speak cautiously. Number one, we need soundless speech. You say, that's an oxymoron. No, it's not. It's what I've been talking about. It's just keeping your mouth closed. Soundless speech. Let me tell you something. Hey, look at me. Sometimes sound, silence can be as loud or louder than somebody yelling. I've preached to you before, and be frank with you, even right now, can you hear the silence, the silence in this room? Because this is something everybody deals with. At some level, you're going to deal with anger. And so, soundless speech means no speech at all. The need to be quiet. Proverbs 17, 28. This is so good. I want you to read it with me off the screen so we'll all read it together. Read it with me good. Here we go. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. Even if you're not the sharpest person out there, you'll just keep your mouth closed. Some people are going to think you're wise, and you'll be wise sometimes just for soundless speech. Habakkuk 2.20. Habakkuk 2.20. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. We've got some friends, the Hamiltons from Dyersburg. And Becky and I went to 
First Baptist, they would always come out when we were young and they would sing, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. Be silent. Be silent before Him. Where'd they get that? Habakkuk 2.20. So sometimes you need soundless speech. Sometimes you need salvation speech. You need to tell people about Jesus. If you're really saved, shouldn't you tell people about how God saved you? Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Say that with me, please. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it's the power of God and to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. Ephesians 6, 19 and 20 says, Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, Paul says, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I've been carrying a little gospel track with me everywhere I go so that when I have that opportunity, I can share the gospel with people and just tell them about Jesus. It may be quick. It may, sometimes it may turn into a real conversation, but I'm, I'm, I'm inviting people to the Lord that way. And I'm also carrying my little packet with me about inviting folks to Easter, inviting people. You know, look, guys, a lot of people are just waiting on an invitation. Wouldn't it be wonderful to go to heaven and to meet somebody that you invited to church or you invited to Christ and they got saved? That's salvation speech. And then there's sweet speech, just being gentle with your words. We need that, especially on social media and out there. Oh, my. Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I love Proverbs 16, 21. It's got one of the best phrases at the end of it I've ever read in my life. The wise in heart will be called understanding. Now listen to this. And sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Isn't that right? Sweetness of speech. Put it back on the screen. Sweetness of speech. Oh, wait a minute. Please put it back on the screen. Thank you. Sweetness, sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. When somebody barks at you, you don't like it. But when they talk kindly to you, you listen, don't you? Sweetness of speech. And then there's sanctified speech, holy speech, the opposite of cursing. We call it cussing when I was growing up. Psalm 34, 12, and 13. Who is the man who desires life, loves length of days, that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. I read this, I think it was this morning, in my quiet time. I'm reading through Ephesians right now. And Ephesians, yeah, it was this morning. Chapter 4, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Do you know what that word unwholesome is? rotten. He's talking about garbage. Don't talk trash talk. That's what he was saying. Let no unwholesome trashy word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. What's that all about? Building people up, not tearing them down. Edification. According to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. There's nothing worse 
than hearing a Christian gossip, slander people, or even cuss. Now, we don't need to do that. We need to be constantly out there with sanctified speech. And then we need safeguarded speech. I pray this almost every day, Psalm 141, verse 3. Let's say it together. Let's pray it together right now, okay? Let's all read it out loud, and while you're reading it, what you're actually doing is praying it because it is a prayer. Let's say it together. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. How many doors has God put over your lips? Two, your lips and your teeth, and that tongue still gets out, doesn't it? Man, you need to say, God, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier when you don't say everything you think. You know, just because you just because you've got a bullet in the chamber doesn't mean you need to pull the trigger, all right? Oh man, I could come back on you for I I got a real comeback on that. Be quiet. Oh, I look at look at what they posted on. Instagram, look what they put. That's the goofiest thing. I could tear them up right now. I'll get a bunch of likes on that. Yeah, and you'll get one big unlike from God. Would you rather please God or your followers? And by the way, they're not your followers. They don't even know who you are. Okay? I've got followers. No, you don't. You got people that didn't have anything to do and they were goofing off on Twitter and they hit your name. That's all that happened. You do something stupid, they're out of there, man. They'll drop you like a bad habit, amen? They're not your followers. Good gracious. Give me a break. Then there's suitable speech. Proverbs 25, verse 11, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstance. What am I talking about here? I've been in the Southern Baptist Convention all my life, and when I would go, when Don and I would go as young people, uh, you know, and, and we would go, there was always some fussing going on, you know, there, and that's just the way Christians do. They, they just kind of, they get into it over issues and stuff like that. So uh, people say, what are we going to do as Southern Baptists? We're fussing. I say, man, we've been fussing ever since I've been in the whole thing. So, you know, that's just the way. But the reason we stay together is not to fuss. The reason we stay together is because we can do more together with missions than we can apart. And so that's why I'm going to stay in the whole thing. But I can remember a voice, Dr. Rogers. I can remember Adrian Rogers. There'd be fussing going on at the Southern Baptist Convention. And then Dr. Rogers with that beautiful voice of his. He's the guy that was pastor for me, if you don't know that. But man, he would stand up and just with that calming, soothing, with a bright mind, he always gave out truth that would just kind of diffuse the whole argument and we could go on. That's what I'm talking about here. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about suitable speech, it's like apples of gold in settings of silver. It's a word spoken in right circumstances. And then supportive speech. I don't know of anybody that doesn't need this. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you'll know how you should respond to one another. How many friendships have been broken up because of slander? How many homes have been wrecked because of harsh speech. It's hard to kiss somebody on the lips that have torn you down. 
Don't use your lips to curse somebody. Use your speech to be a blessing. Speak cautiously. Proverbs 29, 20, and I'll move on. You said, well, I'll be glad when you're off at this point. Okay. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Sometimes just, just shut it down. Just shut it down. So, how do you tame your temper? Listen carefully, speak cautiously, and that will result in number three, anger slowly. Anger slowly. Starts with your mouth and your ears, and then it goes to your heart. 19 and 20, one more time. This you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The anger of man does not accomplish or achieve the righteousness of God. That word anger is the Greek word orge, and it means, besides anger, it means wrath, indignation. All of us, by the way, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 3, that we are children of wrath, if we don't know Christ, we're separated from God. We're children who are prone toward anger and indignation. We just get mad about things. We're sinful people. And apart from Christ's forgiveness and the filling of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, we will never live anything but angry lives. We're just mad. It's just kind of the way you are when you don't know the Lord and you don't walk with the Lord. You've got indignation. And sometimes you think that your anger is justified. I've heard people say, well, Jesus got angry and he cleaned out the, he cleaned out, you know, the, the temple up there with the whip and everything, and he got angry. Yeah, Jesus did. But you're not Jesus. Okay? I think pretty much Jesus is about the only one that could pull off what we call righteous indignation because he never would sin. If you try to get into that, if that's your go-to, I've heard people say this. I'm telling you, I've heard people say this. They say, I've got the gift of prophecy, so I like to tell people off. I just like to tell them like it is. I don't know if you've got the gift of prophecy or not, but I know one thing. You need to control your tongue. And you don't need to anger quickly does anybody know what I'm talking about when I say that person has a short fuse? Does anybody know what that means? Yeah. How many of you know somebody? We're not talking about them, so we're not going to get angry. How many of you know somebody with a short fuse? Doesn't take much to rile them up, all right? Yeah. Please don't point like that. Don't do that. Don't. If anybody ever had a right to be angry, it was Elizabeth Elliot. She and her husband had not been married long. Jim Elliott, one of the, two of the godliest people ever to live, got married in 1953. They joined Wycliffe Bible College, our, our Bible translators, as missionaries. And they wanted to go somewhere where there was no gospel presentation. I got to meet her one time. Donna met her two or three times. So in 1956, they had a young, young couple. They went to Ecuador. And they picked out a group of people who had never heard the gospel called the Alka Indians. In 1956, as they were 
sharing the gospel. The men went in. I'll show you the five men that went in. Roger Yadarian, Pete Fleming, Jim Elliott, that's the husband to Elizabeth right there in the middle of those pictures. Their pilot, Nate Saint, second from the right, and then Ed McCulley. They flew in, landed the plane, got out, and they were all killed. All killed by the Alka Indians. They sent UN, U.S. troops in to salvage their bodies that were floating in the river. Now, if anybody had a reason to be mad, it was the wife of the guy that led that trip. Elizabeth Elliot. But do you know what she did? After she had grieved for her husband for a while, she went back to those same Indians and led the people to Christ who killed her husband. She decided that the gospel was more important and their salvation was more important and their souls were more important than her being mad. She gave all of her anger to the Lord. She was slow to anger. You can read all about it in a book called Through Gates of Splendor. I highly recommend the book. And it was Jim Elliott, her husband, who gave out one of the most famous quotes I've ever heard. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I'm talking to somebody today and you're mad. You grew up in an angry home. Somebody hurt you. It's just not fair, preacher. I understand. But I want to tell you something. You know what I found? Hurt people hurt other people. If you don't deal with your anger, you're going to hurt somebody, and they're going to be just as mad at you as you are at the person that hurt you. You don't want that. You don't want that. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Parents, be real careful what you say to your kids. They'll remember it all their lives. Children, be real careful what you say to your parents. They'll remember it all their lives. Spouses, be real careful what you say to each other. They'll remember it all their lives. When you get mad, calm down, separate. I'm not talking about divorce. I'm talking about just separate. Just get by yourself a little while. Chill. Pray. And then come back and lovingly talk it out. But don't give in to anger. I want us to read three or four verses and then we'll be through. Proverbs 14, 29. Can we read these with me, good and strong? Here we go. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Let's go to the next one very quickly. Proverbs 15, 18. Read it with me. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger 
calms a dispute. Let's read the next one there, Proverbs 25, verse 28. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9. Let's read that together. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Let's read one more. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. The last thing I read in my quiet time this morning, and uh, it's the last thing I'm going to say in my sermon. Let all bitterness, read it with me, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. How many of you are grateful that Christ has forgiven you? Anybody? Look at me. That means that you need to forgive somebody else. You're never more like Jesus than when you forgive And when you forgive somebody, that doesn't mean that you say that what they did to you was okay. That, that's, not, that's not that at all. It doesn't even mean that you have to let them do it again. But it does mean you need to forgive them to come out of the jail cell yourself of unforgiveness. Will Rogers, the famous comedian, said, people who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. <laughs> I don't know how to give you any better advice. Preacher, what am I going to do about my anger? Listen carefully. Speak cautiously. Then you'll anger slowly. Every word you speak is like a seed and it will bear fruit. Every word you speak is like a shout and it's like an echo that comes back and it will come back to you. Even if it's not until the judgment seat of Christ, every word you speak, even under your breath, God's got a really good tape recorder, all right? And He keeps it all. And you have to give an account for every thought, every word, every deed. I shouted loud and louder out on the plane one day. The sound grew faint and fainter until it died away. My words had gone forever. They left no trace or track. But the hills nearby caught up my cry and sent that echo back. I spoke a word in anger to one who was my friend. Like a knife, it cut him so deeply, a wound hard to mend. That word so thoughtlessly uttered, I wish we both could forget, but its echo lives and memory gives the recollection yet. How many hearts are broken? How many friendships are lost? By some unkind word we've spoken before we count the cost. But a word or a deed of kindness will repay a hundredfold because it echoes again in the hearts of men and carries a joy untold. You're going to be six feet under one of these days. 
And you're going to leave behind every word you've spoken. Let's choose good words from here on in, all right? Can't do anything about the past, so give it to God. Amen?